this episode will consist of topics around domestic abuse, domestic violence and sexual violence. If you require any support or help, please get in contact with your local domestic abuse, sexual violence organisation. In the UK, you can call the National Domestic Helpline on 0808 And if you are listening overseas, please contact your national helpline where support, advice and guidance will be available for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. This is the first one of 2023. Um, I'm gonna, this is a really short episode. Um, We are going to talk about DA, but I'm also just wanting to lay the foundations of what you're going to expect over the next few um, months um, of this podcast. So, um, Happy New Year, because <laughs> it is the first time that I've done one this year. I know we are now in February, so I don't even think that you should be saying Happy New Year, but there you go. Um, if you have stumbled across this podcast for the very first time, you are very, very welcome. I hope that you get something out of it. Um, please do listen to some previous episodes. Those that are joining me again, thank you. Thank you for your support. Um, thank you for uh, listening. Thank you that you are engaged in the process um, to be able to understand more about how we can support um, those survivors. And to those people that have reached out to, to you amazing, brave, strong, courageous individuals that have reached out, I am so glad to be one of many positive voices to be able to be that voice for you, um, to stand up, to advocate, to challenge where necessary in order that survivors are seen and they are heard um, and they are believed. Um, I have appreciated your messages. Um, I have appreciated your support. So thank you very, very much for like listening because I know it can be really quite difficult. So you, you are all amazing um, and it's not been an easy journey. I, I know that. Um, but there are bright days coming. Um, so, so anyway, let's just kind of move on <laughs> before I get emotional. Um, uh, you know, but actually, you know, I guess that it's, it's, it's sad that we have to do these podcasts. It's sad that, that we have to, um, have organisations that are supporting people that are affected by abuse. Because if I, if I had any control at all, um, the one thing, well, there'd be several things, but the one thing that I would eradicate is violence. Um, violence towards human being, another human being. You know, I, sometimes humans are just the worst. Um, and, and my hope and my dream is that one day there won't be a need for me or for my, you know, colleagues in other professions that are really raising the flag and moving forward with this agenda about, you know, domestic abuse and sexual violence, because 
you know, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't have to put up with it. We shouldn't have to endure it. We shouldn't have to experience it. And no should be our no, and our yes should be our yes. Um, and our boundaries should be respected. And we live in a world where that appears not to be the case. Um, so you know, but but <laughs> it's not all doom and gloom because. There are amazing people out in the world. There are a few bad rotten apples, but there are some amazing people that will fight for you and stand up for you um, and that will, you know, walk with you and carry you if necessary um, to where you need to be um, in life. So anyway, um, this is just going to be a really, really quick kind of overview um i've got some amazing things uh planned we've got some really exciting podcasts that are coming up um we're going to be looking at uh, economic abuse in more details so what does that look like what does that mean um economic uh, and financial abuse is one of the reasons why survivors stay in relationships longer than they want to um in in some cases um so we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at amazing organisations that can help and support and what that looks like. We are going to, and I'm really excited about this one, but we're going to be speaking to um, uh, organisations that uh, deliver perpetrator programmes. Um, I know that survivors are listening. Um, we also, I also know that it's likely that, you know, people... The people who are exhibiting behaviours um, that is not acceptable in relationships may also be listening. And actually, they're, they're, for those people, you know, that are recognising that there's some issues with their behaviours and they want to change, there's some amazing organisations um, that really support um, those those people in order to change their behaviours for the benefit of survivors. Um, so that's not to endorse or um, condone um, abusive behaviour in any way, shape or form. And, you know, it is very much about uh, the survivors being at the forefront of that. So so that's going to be really exciting. We're going to have some deep conversations about that and what that looks like. Um, we're going to really kind of nail down on some really topical um, subjects. Um, we've we're going to kind of explore um, marginalised communities such as the LGBTQ plus community. We're going to be looking at um, uh, the black and minoritised communities and why, uh, what support is available for 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 those individuals. Um, so we've got some exciting things coming up. So so that like keep your ears out for that. That will be uh, really awesome. But today I'm just going to, you know, literally, you know, remind everybody about domestic abuse. This is a, a podcast that is about abuse. And so I don't think that you would expect any less that there won't be um, something in relation to that. So, so you know, next couple of minutes, you know, I just really want to explore um, what are the challenges and barriers that survivors face when they disclose abuse or prevents them from disclosing abuse? Um, I think that, well, 
in my experience, you know, personally and professionally, there's a number of reasons why people do not disclose abuse. Um, there, th- th- there's a number of challenges that are involved in that, and and the perpetrator of abuse tries to do a really good job of of limiting agency for the survivor. One to be able to recognise that the relationship is abusive in the first place, and that. If if you're convinced that your relationship is not abusive and your perpetrator is causing you serious harm, um, and um, or physical, or emotional, or sexual, is telling you that their behaviour is okay, and then they're using the other tactics that we've explored in one of the other previous episodes around gaslighting and love bombing, that can be a really confusing time. So sometimes one of the one of the, the very first barrier is to recognise that the relationship is abusive, um, and we justify and we minimise behaviours often um, because we don't we don't want to admit we don't want to admit to ourselves that our relationship is anything less than perfect, let alone being able to disclose that to another person. So so the first barrier is often denial. Um, We also tend to turn away from the internal alarm system. So we're very good at making decisions based on our, our head logic and our heart logic, our emotional logic. But we often run away from our gut instinct. Um, you know, it's called a gut instinct for a reason because that is, uh, an, if you were to come on any of my training, you you would know that like I I talk about three brains and the third brain being your stomach. That's where trauma tends to lie. That's where your internal alarm system is. Is that it's like something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. Um, we get that feeling, but then we minimise and we deny that that feeling's even there. And then we like you know we we go through a storm. We go through a big massive wave, if you like, and then we go really. I should have listened. I should have listened because I knew, I knew something wasn't right. So, so it's that gut instinct, and we don't want to listen to that sometimes because that's the most uncomfortable. It's like, oh, 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 I might have to do something there. So, so that's often the first barrier. The other, the next barrier is the fear of retaliation. So many, many survivors will fear that by disclosing the abuse will lead to further violence or retaliation from the abuser. Um, you know, the punishment, a punishment for for speaking out. Um, if if somebody has found that courage and that bravery to leave, the fear of being tracked down or traced in any way, um, they may be very reluctant to report the abuse um, because of, let's face it, um, lack of understanding from professionals or a dismissing um, of attitude. Um, They may have had some previous really bad experiences with the police, for example. So there may be some barriers in reporting to police. They might not trust police. And unfortunately, if you're listening in the UK, you know, we know we've got a lot of problems with particular police officers um, who are using their positions of power in order to, who who are employed to protect and serve, but use that power in order to continue to harm, abuse, rape and murder. Um, 
within within this role of protecting and serving. So 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 that may be another reason why people don't want to report the abuse to the police because they think, well, I'm not gonna get help here. Um that there's a lack of there's a lack of trust um within that. And and if somebody is in a relationship or married to somebody within the criminal justice system, you know, actually what is that going to look like for that person? You know, so let's say that let's say that the perpetrator is a police officer, for example. You know, um, who who am I going to report to if my if my partner is uh, is a police officer? Who am I going to report that? Because actually, are the police going to keep me safe? Um, because my husband works for for them for example so so there's a there's a whole load of reasons um which i think are manifesting even more at the moment about why people are not disclosing not being believed i think um is another one um the perpetrator would have done a really successful job of of it of or at least trying to convince the survivor that they're not going to be believed um you they will say that you're crazy or making it up or that you're mental. In my experience, you know, yes, there are, you know, there are some people that that may may make some allegations um, that may not be as factually as correct. However, I want to kind of caveat that with it's very, very few. If somebody is disclosing sexual violence, um, domestic abuse, it is a like minuscule amount of people that would make that up, um, like, you know, in my experience. Um, so if somebody is saying that they're being sexually harassed at work, somebody is saying that they've been touched inappropriately, if somebody is saying, hey, my husband took my keys last night on purpose, um, if somebody is saying I don't have access to my bank account, you know, then we should be believing them. Because it... it because another reason why people don't disclose is shame and guilt um, around that. And they blame themselves for the abuse that they're enduring. So to even admit that abuse is even a factor or that somebody has been sexually assaulted or physically um, attacked in any way, shape or form is going to take a lot of courage and a lot of bravery <laughs> because there is so much shame attached to it. So it's... <clears throat> I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's highly unlikely that somebody is just going to make that up. Um, and so we need to be believing our victims more. Um, they might not... There be maybe another reason is that they're not getting the adequate support from their friends or family. Um, they might be sceptical about their... Um, narration of events they may be very aligned to the perpetrator they may they may have some difficulties within um you know their family or friend dynamic or 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 for for any other reasons so there may be um inadequate support from from uh, friends and family, and that may even be perpetrated or perpetrated, sorry, um, by 
deliberately being isolated from friends and family. So relationships have been broken down on the as the event uh, as an effect of what the perpetrator has done. So they would have um, tactically um, destroyed relationships. So reaching out to friends or family may be, may be really quite difficult. Um, I've already mentioned around shame and stigma. You know, it does. And, you know, it takes a long time for people to believe that they're not responsible for the abuse that they have experienced. Um, I spend a lot of my time, um, you know, having the same conversations about this is not your fault. Um, and, you know, there is nothing, nothing um, that that somebody can say to me that can justify somebody else physically chastising or sexually abusing another individual. Um, you know, that behaviour lies so solely with the perpetrator who is doing the abuse. Um, and so, so because people are wrapped up in these feelings of blaming themselves, that can prevent a survivor from, from reaching out or seeking help or making that first phone call to an organisation, um, you know, all of those feelings of, am I going to be believed? Am I going to be dismissed? Um, actually, what's what's going to happen if somebody, if I do disclose, are they going to call the police? All of these all of these fears and thoughts that go running through a head that stop somebody from making that phone call or 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 going into an organization asking for support or help um and so I've already mentioned about financial financial dependence, you know, sometimes we don't have the means to be able to leave a relationship, you know, and we're going to look at that more in depth, you know, what does that actually look like? Um, it could be that fear of not having an income because we're relying on the other person's income. Um, complex, often very complex legal processes, um, you know, court cases can take a long time. Um, there is a lot of victim blaming that, that happens um, with, within that. Um, other, other cases being heard in the media, for example, and seeing the treatment of the survivor, you know, puts people off uh, reporting. It can be very intimidating, you know, speaking to a police officer, no, no matter how nice they are. Um, it can be extremely intimidating. If you've ever been in a courtroom, they're not nice places. They often, they're often very dark. They're often very old buildings. Very, they often tend to um, be really big places, which can be really quite scary. And then if you are in a courtroom, you know, and you haven't been told about, you know, what special measures can be put in place so you do not have to see your uh, perpetrator, then, then that may be a reason why somebody doesn't want to report or wants to continue along the justice system because they don't know that the courts can actually help minimise the impact that the perpetrator has on them. Um, and it can often lead to uncertainty um, 
around, well, how long is this going to be? Um, another reason would be, actually, as I don't want to be re-traumatised. Like, how many times have I got to tell my story? I've told my, I've told my domestic abuse worker, I've told social services, I've told the police, now I've got to stand up in court and now I've got to justify ourselves. And in the previous um, episodes, you look at the effects of trauma. And so sometimes what we know about trauma is that it can um, skew, skew memories um that's not to say that the memories are incorrect it can the timeline can just be a little bit off because of the trauma and so if you've got the perpetrator's solicitor or barrister that's trying to undermine your credibility that can be scary but what i want to say um just to those survivors that are listening that are considering reporting you like you know the not all police are like you know bad no no matter what the media tells you but equally like you know you like get equipped get 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 to know your local domestic abuse organization because they will really really help you they will offer you emotional support they will walk the justice system with you they will walk that path with you you do not have to do it by yourself they are very knowledgeable they will be able to understand that legal process they'll be able to take the legalese out of all of the jargon out of any court papers so please 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 um, I would always advocate um, to report to police, but align yourself with an IFA, um or a domestic abuse organisation at the same time, because it can be quite a scary place. And, and I want you to know that there is support for you uh, within that process. So please don't let that be a barrier to uh, justice being served for you um, towards your perpetrator because as much as it is difficult actually it's not impossible and there will be um, you know there are consequences for behaviour that is abusive Um, so please 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 don't sit there and think I'm not going to report I don't want to do this um, you know uh, or anything that I might have just said that's like, no, she's she's just told me, don't do it. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is it can be scary, but if you are aligned with the right people that are able to support and navigate that with you, then they will do that with you and for you. So, so do not let that be a barrier to you, um, you know, reporting your truth, um, to, you know, the criminal justice system. Okay. And I know, um, you know, it can be overwhelming, but like I said, you know, you, there are some amazing advers out there. There are, um, and amazing organizations that are very, very, very equipped to be able to work with, um, survivors of abuse you know, they understand it. So, so please, I can't stress enough, you know, don't let that be a barrier. And if you don't want to report to your friends or family or even the police, um, but you want um, to speak to somebody in confidence, again, get in touch with your local DA agency. Depending on where you are, you know, in the UK, you can just do a quick Google search. You've got the National Domestic Helpline, which would have been on one of the... Um, 
uh, intros that you've just before you've listened to this episode. Um, there are organisations within your area. If you're listening overseas, and welcome to everyone that's listening overseas. I see you. <laughs> I, I see. I see where you're listening from. So welcome. You know, get in touch with your country's local domestic abuse um, organisation um, around that. Okay. Um, uh, and you know, so, so I know that it's, it's almost like, it's like a really negative and I don't want it to be a negative like episode. Um, you know, it is more around understanding really why people don't report, um, the abuse. Now, all of those challenges can be overcome. Um, and that's, that's the positive is that we're in our minds, um, you know, at somebody that's experiencing domestic abuse in our minds, we put all these challenges and barriers. Actually, there is a solution to every single one of those barriers if you reach out. Um, and that can be the hardest thing sometimes is make it is like, you know, making that first step. Sometimes we make it bigger in our head. But the minute that we start, the minute that we put one foot in another, we're 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 moving, <laughs> you know, we're walking, it's like a baby, it's like, you know, once it's made its first steps, and it's like, you know, not falling down on its knees, it gets up and, and that child is, go- that baby, that toddler is going, um, and that's the same, so, so, you know, get up, put one foot in front of the other, and watch yourself walk, because you will walk, um, so, so, very quick, very quick um, episode, one really just to kind of ha- say hello, <laughs> um, two to kind of let you know where we're at, three to thank everybody that's listening and four just to kind of like end on like this, well, why Why are survivors, why is it so difficult for survivors? Like I said, I want to end by saying I see you um, and I hear you and we are there, you know, all you need to do is give us a call because we're going to be there at the other end waiting for that call um, to be able to to walk the next bit with you. All right, thank you. Um, and I'll be back again in a, in a couple of weeks with um, some really exciting guests. And you've just listened to this week's episode. I hope that you've enjoyed the conversation this week. Feel free to like, share, subscribe so you don't miss out and I'll see you next time.